Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. Well, hello. Sometimes here on Bright Wings, I interview someone who has something interesting to say about family life or education or children's literature. Sometimes I offer you my reflections on a particular book or on a certain theme, such as dogs. But I also enjoy offering you book reviews so that I can help you hone in on what is at stake in a particular book or series. So I offer you these book reviews, one, to make your life easier, but two, so that you will also know what you're looking for when you go out looking for a good book. Just to let you know, with these book reviews, I do offer spoilers because I do want to make your life easier. That's one of the points. In these book reviews, I try to mention something that is going to make you uneasy, something that might have made me uncomfortable, something that you might want to talk about with your kids. If there are elements like that in it, that's what I'm talking about. I'm also going to summarize the plot for you, basically and highlight things that are of particular value and beauty. That's my mission with these book reviews. Let's dive in. Today, I'd like to share with you my enthusiasm for this series called Masterminds by Gordon Corman. And the reason why I even know about this series is through a previous podcast that I did. Back in April, 2022, I published an essay on the Brightwings blog a review of the Keeper of the Lost City series by a librarian named Cindy Rosenberger. And then I went on to record it and publish it so you could listen to it. In this essay, Cindy suggests an intriguing alternative to the Keeper of the Lost City series. She suggested this series that's titled Masterminds. Between the two of us, neither Cindy nor I had read the books. But Sydney suggested that they needed investigating as being morally more interesting, ethically more interesting than Keeper. So I did something that I don't normally do, which is I checked the first book out of the library and I handed it to my 14-year-old daughter. Well, I should say I think it was a safe enough thing to do. And then secondly, I should say that this girl is 14 going on 24 and that I, it's like getting myself to pre-read a book. I really trust her judgment. I said, tell me whether this is as good as or better than Keeper. So my 14-year-old was reading it fairly critically because she was quite critical of the Keeper series, but she found this to be an entirely different experience. She was fascinated, intrigued. This is coming from a girl who reads high-level classic literature. She was wonderfully and properly bothered by the ethical problems in this book. Both my eldest two daughters, 14 and 11, were both hooked by this book. Simply being hooked by a book is not necessarily a sign that it's decent. However, in this case, the ghost reviewers I have on board with me know a good book, thankfully, when they see it. I have scrutinized these books and I want to tell you about them. So just to reiterate, for the record, I have read these books, all three of them, and looked at them pretty closely. And one thing I want to say as I start this book review, I think it's so important that we are able to throw as wide a net as possible to say yes to as much as we can with our children. I am anti-twaddle. I am anti-junk food book. I am anti-inanity. I am anti-drivel. But I think thoughtfulness and thrills can definitely be paired together. And I was surprised and delighted by the way Corman can pair together meaty and thoughtful things big problems with so much fun. He can write a thought-provoking book all the while it is really trendy and fast-paced and literally full of car chases. And I'm glad to be surprised. 
I'd like to contrast some of the elements that I found in Masterminds with those that we found problematic in Keeper of the Lost Cities series. Okay, so one of the problems in the Keeper series is that the main character is definitely created for use. Her whole existence has been, you know, cloned together and cobbled together so that she has tons of different gifts. So, uh, and from this library of gifts, she can save the world. Sometimes she's upset that she's been cloned and that she does feel used, but she in the end seems to consent to being used. And the author has created a whole host of ethical problems, which she raises, but doesn't really solve, acknowledges that they're a little bit of a problem, but doesn't uh, in any way allow the plot to revolve around the ethical problems that she creates. In the Mastermind series, the opposite is the case, and it's so awesome. It's so delightful. So Corman creates an ethical, ethically problematic situation, and the entire plot revolves around how this actually would impact the lives of young people and teens. Their identities and their actions are deeply impacted by their ethical situation, an ethical situation into which they have had no choice, an ethical situation into which they've been thrust. Okay, I've started in the middle of things, but let me begin again with the crucial information. So in the beginning of the first Masterminds book, we meet the characters in their utopian town, this group of kids growing up in Serenity, New Mexico. Their names are Amber, Eli, Tori, Malik, Randy, and Hector. And though there seems to be some believably sincere good things happening in this town, we discover that in fact, the kids discover that they're clones of master criminals and that their whole town and that their whole existence is a huge psychosocial experiment in nurture versus nature. The existence of the town and the very children revolves around the question that if people, bad people are given optimal conditions, would they have turned out bad? If kids for certain talents for hacking or theft or violence are given optimal conditions, would they turn out like their parent clones? Do your genetics give you a criminal destiny? And what role does nurture play in your decision making? Right away as the book opens up, you're quite captivated by the distinctive personalities of these kids in the opening chapters of the first book. And then the action really starts to pick up and move when the kids use their genetically inherited traits to escape the town. Now, this series at the time was my first Gordon Corman book. And so um, I think this is typical of his works. But the narrative in the story switches between the perspectives of the different characters. So in this case, the narrative is switching between the different cloned kids, Eli, Amber, Tori, Malik, Randy, and Hector. And this is very. This was very interesting to me, especially uh, as my first go around with with the Gordon Corman books. Here, um, you get to hear not only the different perspectives and reactions to the same circumstances, which is enriching, right? Each character, but also the kids' reactions and perspectives on each other. And this really gives you a sense of the kids' togetherness. It gives you a sense of their dynamics together, their unity, or their lack of friendliness. When they finally leave town, they're like in a mad scramble and becomes like a car chase book. I mean, it is like from one thing to the next, they are on the run. And yet deep questions are asked. Like their their questions are wonderful. They ask, is cloning even legal? Because they haven't um, had access to a true internet, just a modified internet in their town. Um, 
they wonder, is my existence illegal? Does it mean that like, and somehow that I'm illegal, that I would be punished for being a clone? They wonder um, really wonderful questions about their town and the goodness of their town, even their parents, were their parents trustworthy? Um, the people who were raising them were obviously not their genetic parents. They wonder, does this mean everything good about my town was a lie? Was all of it a lie? All this goodness? Was it merely a manipulation? Um, they're angry at being used. They're angry at being experiments. They're angry that they have bad people as parents and that they were in no way <laughs> consulted about their existence. They wonder, am I destined to be bad because of my genetic history, because of my, because of my um, genetic clone parent? And these questions are complicated by the fact that, they, that these kids easily are using their talents to help them evade recapture by, by the Serenity Security Force and by the police. The kids are stealing cars and food and motorcycles. They're hacking into computer systems. All of this is done semi-reluctantly, but they can do it so easily with such skill, right, that they kind of are... They kind of admire and are horrified at each other and themselves. They can't help comparing themselves and their friends to the criminals after which they've been cloned. So, uh, and movingly, heartbreakingly, they seek out their, um, the parent clone because they want to know as much about themselves and their origins as possible. They're fully bent on knowing the truth about themselves they're asking the question, who am I? And even though they don't want to be using their, the, they don't want to be doing the bad things and using their um, bad skills, they end up ha sort of being pushed to use them in order to evade capture. Because if they want to pursue the truth, they can't pursue it in serenity. And they really ask, are my genetics, my destiny, through their adventures and their risks, especially their risks on behalf of each other, they become more morally dense. They become morally heavier and stronger, growing stronger in those parts of their character where their genetic talent tends to make them weak. They're exposed to same of the, some of the same circumstances as their clone parents where only they make different choices because of the friendship that they have with each other, the kids have with each other, but also because of the way that they were raised in serenity. As much as serenity got some things wrong, they also got some things right. I really appreciate that Corman put that level of nuance into what could be just a car crash book, a chase book, a page turner. Tori's able to see that her parents really love her. Amber is able to admit that serenity was full of uh, wisdom and right ways of living that she's she was totally all in on and then she was disenchanted with and by the end she realizes like hey actually serenity ha was like telling the truth about like a beautiful way to live by the end of the book it's admitted that not all grown-ups are there to manipulate you and deceive you and the last thing i want to tell you is a total spoiler so if you want to read the book so your kids are listening to this podcast shut your ears <laughs> so okay ready so i want to tell you at the end Corman, Eli, the main character in the book, Eli Frieden, does resolve the question of nature versus nurture, I think, in a nuanced way. He says, quote, that DNA is a part of us, but it isn't 
All of us. If the point of Project Osiris was to prove that you're more than your genes, then the results are finally in. We're not criminals. We're regular kids, like everybody else. Still, you probably don't want to mess with us, just to be on the safe side. Gosh, I would love to see Gordon Corman turn this series into, like, add another book to the series, like the the masterminds when they're older, like becoming a crack anti-crime team. <laughs> and once in a while, they have to go uh, collect one of their own that's maybe gone off the rails. That would make for such a fun book or movie. So there you have it, my review of the Mastermind series by Gordon Corman. I hope that my review of this series has helped you decide whether these books are books worth reading. <laughs>